Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna, and today we have the huge privilege of being able to speak with Ali Hassan. And we have brought back all of our participants to also discuss uh, some questions that we have about Canada Reads. So today, my very first question for you, Ali, is what did you take into to coordinate or what did it take to coordinate this year's pandemic style show, including having no audience? And were you satisfied with the results, especially since we may be in the same boat for next year? Mm, good question. And yes, that is a possibility that I don't think anybody mm -hmm. wanted to uh, really talk about at the beginning of the week, but, but quite honestly, it, it went, I would say even better than expected at, at some level because uh, a few years ago, Chantal Kreviazic um, had to stay back in LA. And so she was a one remote guest, never had two remote guests before. And the delay was such that it was really kind of, um, you know, unfortunate for her. And I think at times for her problematic where she really had to wait for us to stop talking and it was like almost three or four seconds. And so if she wanted to really be part of a discussion and really sort of engage, or we wanted to throw to her, the momentum would sort of, you know, the momentum of a discussion could really sort of be slowed down as you wait that four seconds. This year with two people remote, Elena had a little bit of a delay. George hardly had any delay. I really thought, and they themselves worked very hard to be part of this discussion. I, I've done that kind of thing before where you were sort of, uh, it's, they refer to it as like a black box where you're just looking into a black box and talking directly and you hear in your ear what's happening. And those aren't even debates. Those are just one person asking questions. I find it very uncomfortable to be staring at something that is nothing. I'm just staring at a box and they say, look into that box, because that means you'll be looking into the camera in the right place uh, and not seeing anybody. I don't enjoy that at all. So I just, I tip my hat to both Elena and George, who were very active participants. And then I tip my hat to technology that did a pretty darn good job. Um, because once you do allow people to see and hear, you uh, introduced a video element for these remote guests, the delay gets worse. So they decided that it would be better to just have the audio. And I, I thought it was great. I mean, some of us don't, you know, lose anything from not having this, the, the audience. There are guests who will never even look at the audience. They'll maybe at the end of the show, they'll sort of just, you know, people will come up to them and talk to them. And that's always really nice. So you miss that nice thing. But as far as the debate goes, there are some people who just... You know, I remember Tom O'Pinnikin. I don't think he ever looked or addressed the audience at all. I could be wrong about that, but I just know that wasn't his thing. Whereas some people who are, you know, uh, actors, performers, in Akil's case, he is, you know, a guy, his whole life is live. It's going out live to people. It's on the microphones, talking live to people in live formats. Uh, myself, the bulk of my life is the same way. So I think I miss it. People like Akil, Julie Black might miss it, but I don't think it takes away from the debate per se to not have a live audience. But um, yeah, full respect to that team for bringing it together. It was, we really did feel like it was gonna be a little rock and roll, who knows what's gonna happen. I had to sort of be ready for the fact that Elena or George, we could lose them. Mm. You don't know, you know, you don't have any 
technology is great, but it, it's not, it's never a hundred percent. So you never know what could happen and it could have been cut. Um, and then, yeah, then you're just, you know, the way right. a duck's legs move rapidly and panic, <laughs> panicking underwater, that's what I was gonna have to turn into. It's okay, Elena's gone, not a big deal. But of course it is a huge big deal that somebody's gone and not there to defend their own book potentially. Wow, that, I mean, seeing being able to hear the perspective cause like trying to understand the whole black box thing and uh, it, it's so nice to hear and under and see that new perspective of that. So I'm going to turn it over to Jolene and have her ask her question. Sure. Thank you, Shauna. Hi, Ellie. Um, my question for you is who are some of your favorite authors and who would be on your dream team of defenders? My dream team of defenders, you know, I wouldn't have been able to answer that a few years ago, but I think, um, what you want more than anything are passionate readers who are known for reading. You know, it shouldn't be, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think it should be people who are, I, I mostly read newspapers and magazines and journals and I hadn't read a book in a while and I'm reading this. I feel like the more accustomed and used, used you are to reading, I think it's, it's better for you as a, in a debate. I think it's better for you to sort of like, parse out what's important in a book. What are the broad themes? What are things you can dive into? What are passages you can take and quote to hammer home your points, you know? So uh, I think uh, any avid reader from any uh, walk of life, uh, any, any celebrity from any walk of life, I'm happy to have them. You know, I, I really, I, I like Jay Baruchel. Uh, he was on a few years ago. My friend Trent, Samantha B. I, I usually think to, you know, entertainers. And uh, I can't help but think about uh, people like that. And I think anyone who's a, a avid reader, I think entertainers do something good at the table. They can add some levity uh, when, you know, you guys have watched the debates. There are times where levity is, is required. And I think just because my background is stand-up comedy, maybe in the last few years, they didn't have uh, those those sort of entertaining uh, you know comedian personalities, but but they might move in that direction. I got an email from somebody who was saying, uh, Ali, it would be great if we combined the two things, Canada reads and laugh out loud, and the theme be one book to make Canada laugh. And I was like, well, that would be something actually. I love that idea. Quite a laugh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, I I really like what Canada reads does. So I think. You know, uh, musicians uh, always, it's so fun to have musicians on. And it's, it's a tough question to answer actually, Jolene, because who that person is outward, like they may be my dream team, but how they would perform in a, in a, in a format like Canada Reads, which they would have likely never been part of. Canada Reads is one of those things. You don't know how you'll do at Canada Reads until you're doing Canada Reads. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever says they'll do well because they did that panel and that panel and that panel that was just like it. There's nothing really like it. So what you think and how you think somebody will perform is is kind of a crapshoot. Now I'm sure Canada Reads team knows what to look for and what they look at and say you probably shouldn't, you know, have have that happening. But there are a number of actors. I've talked to some people this past year about different things. Sandra Oh, I got to speak to a little bit in um in a, on a Canada film day. And I just found her to be so 
thoughtful, so thoughtful uh, about so many different things. I think she'd be a great guest. I think there's a number of uh, incredible directors that we have in this country and, and, and uh, you know, prolific actors who are used to studying text and then they read books. The movie was based on a book, so they'll go deep into the books. And uh, you know, Marc Andre Grandin, Xavier Dolan. I think guys like that. You know, some of these great directors um, from from Quebec. And these guys would be excellent. But anyway, these are all just my biases. But uh, I would love to see people from from entertainment, especially. Be uh, also because you know you don't expect you don't expect necessarily that somebody from who's a singer might be a very, very keen, avid reader and then able to make such uh, great points. So it's always a nice surprise. It's a pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise at the, uh, at the table. Excellent, thank you. All right, Larissa, go ahead and ask your question. Awesome, thank you. Um, before I ask my question, I actually wanted to make a quick comment um, back to Shauna's question. Uh, thank you for talking a little bit about the technology um, for the remote guests, but I actually also wanted to mention that I uh, thank you very much for mentioning it on day three, that they were like what they were kind of dealing with and the fact that they couldn't see you because I didn't really understand that until day three. And then when you mentioned it, and then somebody else mentioned it again a little bit later, it made so much more sense as to how the interactions were happening. Um, so if it does happen to be remote again next year, um, that was a really valuable piece of information for me. And it really- It should be probably with. given earlier. I think we gave it early on, but it's so much is happening at the beginning yeah. that I think it's probably something that people should be reminded of every day. And you know, it's that challenge. Um, Exactly, yeah. So much to get through in a day that you don't want to spend too much time. But on the day three, I just, I was like, I better mention this because I don't, I don't know if people appreciate how, what a great job they're doing. So, and it actually, that links a little bit to what my question is. So um, this was actually my first Canada Reads that I watched um, and I loved it. And I followed the online chatter in the Facebook group that CBC set up. Um, and I was, uh, first of all, really surprised to see what a lot of the comments online were. And a lot of them had to do with gender dynamics and um, debate etiquette. And uh, I was wondering if I, that's what I read online, but not something I noticed myself watching. I was wondering if sitting around the table with the panelists, if that was something you could pick up on, on days one and two, or was that something that, or as well, what, did you see that online commentary as well? Did the other um, panelists? And is that something that changed the way you had the conversation by day three and four? Because there was a little bit of a shift. I, I don't, uh, I don't want, I look at anything online during the week of Canada Reads. Um, if somebody tags me in some, <laughs> I, you know, then I'm sort of obliged to look at it, but I don't go looking for anything. I let the Canada Reads, the CBC books team tell me if there's something I should look at. I just don't want to be influenced in any way, you know. Um, at the table, I do feel like it was going in a in in a in a direction that was, uh, or it could have been. It, it felt like it could be going in that direction where it was a little bit, you know, gender was at play. Um, but a couple of things about that, Larissa. Number one. You know, it's the year after Me Too movement, and it's like women are feeling empowered, and women are in, in, in a place where they shouldn't be called girls anymore. I don't know. Or, or it, 
you know, like I know some women who are like, oh, what's the big deal? I'm at an age, if a man calls me a girl, I like it. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's, you know, this is not my place to say, but I, you know, I have two daughters and, and I, all you do as a father and as a parent, my wife, obviously, right beside me, you want your kids to um, grow up to be uh, smart, confident women. That's what you, you're just pushing them in that direction. You know, stand up straight, don't chew your hair, whatever. Every single thing is so that they uh, become impressive young women. That's the whole thing. So then when they get to that stage and they really, you know, uh, take foothold of who they are as women, I don't know, to, to hear girls grow girls, and, and I'm not like, you know, sort of easily triggered by things. I, I usually, I notice it, I go, oh, that's right. But that, I was like, oh, wow, that's gonna, that might bite him on the butt. And sure enough. It, Which it, it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he ahead of it, he apologized and that was fun. But like, the gender is an important mix for the CBC Books team too. They want it to be even. You know, when I was gonna host this and uh, Rebecca, I think I told you uh, about this um, in, in March or maybe it was last year. I told you last year that, you know, it was the kind of thing when they were looking at me to potentially host it, it was like this, like Ali, we're looking at you as a host. However, one of the panelists, we don't know if they can make it. They are looking at their schedule. That's a woman. Now, if she can't make it, we have somebody as a backup choice for her, that's a man. If we have to go with that man, then you can't host Canada Reads, right? So the gender balance is very important uh, in that regard. And yeah, I think it came off maybe looking like it was a little bit like men versus women, women versus men. Um, but besides one comment about mansplaining, I don't really believe that that was the case. I don't think that was at play. The more I saw each day, it sort of corrected itself. Um, even, you know, Amanda herself, it just, she didn't sort of dig her heels in about that. I found the, the mansplaining thing, yeah, it has the word man in it, but I feel like it was, it was more intended to be a little bit dismissive, like the way OK Boomer would have been dismissive yeah. or, or OK Karen's. Like, well, that doesn't help. That doesn't promote debate. That doesn't that doesn't let everybody express themselves at the table in a fair way. So I, I don't think, I didn't focus too much about the man and the mansplaining, but I did focus on the fact that it was a dismissive comment. And then by the next, by day three, it had kind of rectified. But definitely if you know, if Akil's book was still in the running, I think that was some, that's something we would have had to address pretty, pretty quickly. Okay, thank you very much. That sure. is, um... Yeah, like really helpful to hear because of course there was the girl girls 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 comment which did come back and there was that apology um but a lot of the online chatter was directed um like discontent and com like complaints about the women um and i actually talked about this uh, everybody who's watched this uh all last week all of our recaps i already talked about this but um it, it was I was wondering if at the table was if that was as obvious there or if it was more just because some, you know how online things are one post person posts then it's in someone's head then someone else posts sure um and I just yeah wanted to hear what it was like actually there in the studio so thank you very much sure awesome Sarah if you want to go ahead we have 12 minutes left okay hi Allie thanks for coming tonight um so my question should be pretty quick um, so of all the books you've read since being involved in Canada Reads, and it's been a few years now, um, 
which one did you connect with the most that maybe spoke to you about something that you, you know, you personally feel passionate about, or, you know, it just um, maybe it inspired you. And then also, um, and maybe this is the same answer, but which book would you find yourself recommending um, to other people most frequently? Well, it's a tough one about when it comes to recommendations, because um, you don't know what people like to read in particular, right? So if somebody is really into science fiction, they may not like something like Small Game Hunter, right? If they Maybe it's just too... I personally, my favorite thing in, in reading is dialogue. I just love dialogue. I love reading scripts. I love reading plays. Uh, sometimes, you know, my father's plays, some of his books are still behind me. I took, um, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Streetcar Named Desire. There's another Tennessee Williams play that is back here. And I just flip through it and I start reading it. And I'm, that's like one hour that just goes by as I try to like, you know, analyze what, what themes they're pushing through, through dialogue. I really like that. So I said this before, you know, there's some really celebrated Canadian authors who in the most beautiful way take 15 pages to describe a bleak Canadian winter uh you know landscape and i'm like somebody speak already for god's sake I need some words so that's me other people will look at these authors and be like the way that words put you in that place and describe the, the scene and so for me the books that i've, I've really enjoyed that stick out are also uh, strange to me because um not all of them but i i found uh the break in, in, in the first year canneries that I was hosting, I found the break, which, you know, I've told you this, it has nothing to do with Ali Hassan. I am uh, the child of immigrants, uh, Pakistani immigrants from the East Coast, then uh, made our home in, in, in French, you know, in Quebec and Montreal. And uh, yeah, you know, a Muslim background, a man, none of that comes up in the break. That is not what the break is about. The break is really about uh, it's primarily female, multiple generations of indigenous women in the north end of Winnipeg. That has nothing to do with me. And yet that book, I could not stop reading it. I could not stop turning the pages. I couldn't wait to find out what next. It haunted me at night in a, in a good way. When I went to sleep and I was like, oh, I got to read, you know. And that's it. That, that brought up a, a point to me where sometimes you have to, a lot of people are like, I didn't see myself in this book. And it makes me wonder how important that really is. Um, you know, as a, as a brown guy, I feel like that's always been important on screen. You know, you, you hear stories from people who saw their first Asian character as an Asian kid and it meant something to them. Or they saw some uh, black person doing something that they'd never seen be done before and it inspired them. Okay? So I, I get that. But I think this, you know, when you look at literature, literature is more like art and it's not, I don't know if you have to see yourself. It's not a vanity mirror. It is art. So you, you know, you can extend yourself. And I really have found myself doing that every year with Canada Reads. This year, Small Game Hunting was such a, just, I just found it tremendous. And, and the CBC books ladies were like, Ali, you should probably read that book first. It's a pretty tough read. Now, these are women who, that's what they do for a living. They read. 
And they're telling me it's a tough book. So I was really like, oh, this is going to be such a slog. So I read it first. And I was like, no chapters? Really? Are you kidding me? Just right through. And I just loved it because of the dialogue, because of the accent, because of the characters. And I just, my head was in it. And even though it was like absolutely difficult to read, I, if somebody is a, 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 interested in fiction and, and beautiful words, like the way last year, Brother, I thought was so interestingly written. If people like words, and Lisa Ray last year talked about that quite a bit, the beauty of words. And you never can quite get to that in a memoir, not ones that I've read. When you're in, in the world of fiction, this, this beauty and poetry and the way you describe yourself is so nice. So I really like small game hunting. I would recommend that to people who like, who like fiction. But I really, I also found all, all five books this year were very, very uh, interesting and thought provoking in different ways. So it was, it was a good year for reading, I think. Not happy stuff. Again, if you're looking for happy books, you know, we may be coming to a point where Canada Reads might not be the right show for you if you like uh, happiness. But, you know, the happiness comes in with hope and maybe, you know, promise of, of, of a new day and something changing. That's it. I felt the same way about small game hunting, where I felt like every single word was purposefully, very purposefully chosen and every sentence, short or long, was, was perfect. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a piece of art. So yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, and I, I go last, Ellie, but I just want to tell you that when we, we actually did talk to you in March, it seems like it was a year ago, but believe it or not, it was just in March. Yeah. And you had said how much you loved the break. And so I read it and Larissa uh, read it and we did a podcast about it. And so thank you for that recommendation because I loved that book. It was amazing. So thank yeah. you for that. Great. Oh, my pleasure. You had mentioned that in an email. I was very happy. Yeah. Did you give recommendations? I used to be a chef. People would be like, how do you make this? And you go five minutes to give somebody a recipe. And then a year later, they're like, no, I never made it. I'm like, oh, I wasted my time. So I'm used to people not taking recommendations, but I'm glad you did. And I, I'm, I'm glad it paid off. Absolutely. So my question for you and the wrap up question is a little bit different from Canada Reads, but I want to know what does stand up comedy look like now during the pandemic and beyond? And where do you think your career might take you as a result? Because it's a tough gig for anybody who does that for a living, for sure. Anything along those lines. Yeah, we are in a position right now where, you know, some clubs are slowly opening up. I was on a call. Um, there's a show called Cross Country Checkup on uh, CBC Radio on the weekends. And it was myself and Alonzo Bowden. And Alonzo Bowden, well, well-known uh, uh, American comedian. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was America's Got Talent or Last Comic Standing. He yeah. was on Last Comic Standing. He did very well there. So he was sort of describing the situation in the U.S. And it's similar to here. It's like many clubs, you're performing behind plexiglass. You're performing to crowds that are maybe one-fifth of the size of the capacity of the clubs. So, uh, you're walking in with a mask. You can take it off once you get on stage. And, you know, you don't really find any comedian who's like, this is what I got into the business for. Plexiglass, I'm in. This is amazing. Plexiglass, one fifth of a, uh, you know, mostly empty room, great time. That's not really what we started doing this for. At the same time, it's so rewarding right now. And I, I, I don't know if that'll wear thin, but, but I did a drive-in theater show 
I did a drive-in and, you know, six months ago, we would have been driving. That's the dumbest thing ever. There's no ceiling. The people's laughs just go into the sky and you can't even hear them. And then they honk instead of you know, laugh. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But we are in a beggars can't be choosers situation, right? So I did a drive-in. It was a Just for Laughs drive-in series. Very well organized, very safe. You know, Just for Laughs doesn't need any kind of, you know, bad press around this. So they were really, really uh, as, as, you know, uh, careful about COVID as, as, as humanly possible. And, uh, and it was just terrific. It was comedians hungry to perform, uh, performing for audiences hungry to, to laugh. It was like really, if it had been a room, I would say the love was in the room, you know, but it was, uh, it was up in the sky, but it was still, it was excellent. But much like Michigan, Canada is uh, has got a limited window on drive-ins, right? By the end of September, I don't know. You can't really do much at night, especially in, in, in a lot, most of Canada. So we have to look to these clubs and they're going to be at partial capacity. My, my main thing has been theaters. I moved out of the clubs into theaters. I will probably move back into the clubs a little for a little while if I can, maybe smaller sets, shorter sets for a while. That's the other thing. Once you leave a comedy club, it's like, thank you, goodbye. And then you go back to the club and the club owner is like, oh, look who came crawling back. <laughs> None of us want this, okay? You don't want the pandemic. I don't want to be here. You don't want me here, but let's just uh, do this, <laughs> make the most out of this. Um, but yeah, a friend of mine, uh, there's, a, there's a group called Choir, Choir, Choir. It's these two guys who lead hundreds and hundreds of people in, in choir, my friend Nobu and David. And Nobu told me fall of 2021, I've just said a year and I won't be able to do anything and that's fine. And I sort of took that too. I'm like, okay, I'll start to worry and panic and be sad and, you know, look into plumbing as a trade or whatever else, <laughs> 2021 fall. If, the, if shows are still being pushed back and all this. But for the meantime, I think there is People are doing backyard shows, people are doing outdoor shows, people are doing, you know, those small capacity clubs, and it is providing something for us. But the worry is it's not providing enough to make a living. A club can't pay the same rates it used to pay, you know, when your club was completely full to somebody. So um, I don't have the answers, uh, Rebecca, I don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, but I have no other skills. Like there's a lot of blank stuff on my resume. So I'm, I'm lucky that I have a CBC. I'm sort of a part-time broadcaster. I have this show called Laugh Out Loud that I host. We were worried about that too. We go around the country and record live shows. Now we don't have those live sets to play on our show, but for a time being, we will go and, and play comedians albums. We'll introduce people to comedians they may not have heard. It's a little bit more work for us vetting the album, making sure that the content is, is, is suitable for CBC. And then I fill in on a number of other shows and I'll try to continue to do that. And then in fall of next year, either you will see a man with more hope in his heart or a very broken down person. I hope it's the former and not the latter. Well, I know that you are a A-plus phenomenal chef, so you should also take that into consideration as well. Yeah, you, it's funny. Thank you for saying that, Shauna. My children have broken me down and, uh, and, and they've made me forget uh, what great food I made. Sometimes <laughs> my wife has to yell at them, like, people who pay hundreds of dollars for this meal. You guys are, like, not even saying thank you. You're like... <laughs> 
groaning as you need it. So I do have that. That is a backup plan. Um, but I, yeah, those, th those places aren't doing particularly well either. They're not doing particularly brisk business either. So, um, yeah, I will continue to try to, you know, or, or continue. I will start to put out, um, you know, smaller bite-sized comedy content on the web. I will try to do shows wherever I can. I'll, uh, I'll do as much as I can in the CBC building and we'll see what comes of that. Great. Thank you. My well, pleasure. we know that you're hope. I we know that you're going to be successful, and I mean, we can't wait to see everything that's going to happen in uh, from now all the way until fall of 2021. So, uh, thank you so much for your time today. And I know you need to get going, but I do want to ask the rest of our participants to hang on, and uh, we'll say goodbye to Allie. Thank you. Okay. So much. Thank you, ladies. I, I enjoyed talking you. to you very much. Imagine I said, okay, take care, girls, and then I left. You'd be like, what? This guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. That was wonderful. I think he, he makes me laugh. I swear. I just, there are people who have just a delivery. They can say the most subtle thing, and it just makes me laugh because I, when I lived in Los Angeles, I used to go to comedy shows all the time. I just think he's hilarious. I'm picturing him behind the plexiglass like he's in the Blues Brothers singing Rawhide <laughs> and they're like throwing the bottles. <laughs> so I am keeping you guys on here because we do have our big giveaway to oh, yeah. uh, tell everybody. So we are giving away a $50 Amazon gift card. We did uh, express that we were doing that last week. So we have uh, six people watching right now. Yay. And why don't the six of you go ahead and write in what was your favorite book of Canada Reads 2020? And we will do a random drawing of everybody who submits an answer to our uh, discussion on YouTube live. And in the meantime, while we wait for everybody to do that. Wait a minute. You mean they have a one in six chance of winning? Yep. That's wow. Why can't I get in on a deal like that? <laughs> Dang. It gets even better if they're watching it on their TV and half of them can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> like one in two chance. <laughs> Well, they might, uh, they might jump on their phone and be able to watch it. But the other thing is, I know there's a delay. So uh, there's about a 30 second delay between us talking now and um, them actually getting the news. So what do you guys, what were you most excited to hear about from Allie tonight? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> no, I always go first, so I'm going to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, um, I choosing our question, so I was, I mean, I, I was really excited to hear his answer to my question about what he liked most about the books, and I was surprised. Um, 
I'm not sure why, but I was surprised that he mentioned in particular dialogue. And I thought it was really interesting to tie that into small game hunting, since that's something that was kind of divisive among everybody online and on the panel. So I think that was pretty cool. And for my question, we had had that conversation amongst ourselves, like, you know, who would we like to see? And so I, I was interested in somebody who's right there, you know, what, what is his take on that? And, you know, he would know who's done a really good job and maybe have a feel for who would do a really good job. So I was happy to hear that. And I loved his idea about um, having, uh, you know, the comedians come on and, and you know, something to make, or a book to make Canada laugh. I think that'd be fantastic. And you quite a change from the last couple of years because they have been heavier books, right? So. There was yeah, the one, wasn't there, about the, the bus driver? Is that a funny? I didn't read that book. Yeah, it, I love that book and it was funny. Um, it was called Precious Cargo by Craig yes. Davidson. And yeah. I love that book. And it was, there were parts of it that were funny, but overall it was, I mean, it's a really beautiful book, but it was funny. Yeah. Parts of it were really There's funny. been a few and like Best Laid Plans has one um, from Terry Fallis. Like there are some funny ones, but it's- Wait a minute, it's mostly... did you, I'm probably gonna say something really stupid here, but did you guys know that there is an award, an annual award in Canada for the comedy books, the funny books? Yeah, Stephen Lee Cock Award. Yeah, like that was new to me. So I was so <laughs> happy to find that because I was like, I need to read something that makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, whenever I need something a little lighter or something, you know, that's gonna make me laugh out loud, that I go look at that list. So, yeah. And there's a lot of really good ones on it. All right, you guys, there's only, uh, there's only been two comments. You got to comment in or your comment, your favorite book of Canada Reads 2020 in order to be entered into the drawing. So far, so you have a chance, one in two chance yeah, <laughs> no kidding. of winning this $50 Amazon gift card. Can I say what my thing is about Allie? Because since we're giving them a little bit more time. As soon as I respond to Jolene's thing. Oh. <laughs> Um, so in regard to, uh, the dream competition and everything, uh, if you listen to our podcast with Allie, he actually explains, um, a little bit about that kinds of stuff. But one of the things that I, uh, thought was very interesting was that the CBC's, uh, CBC Canada book, CBC books, is that what it's yeah. called? CBC yeah. books is the one that puts a lot of time, effort, and research mm -hmm. into getting all the defenders put out. And um, he was explaining in the in our earlier interview that they do it based on their voices. So if a person's voice sounds too similar to another, then they won't put them in the same show together and they might have to wait a year to even participate as a defender. That's interesting. And that would be helpful for you people with visual um, you know, challenges and stuff like that. So that's very interesting. And, and for people who listen to it on CBC Radio 1. Exactly, yes. Yeah, it's primarily yeah. a radio show, so I'm not, yeah. it doesn't yeah. surprise me, but that's very interesting. Right. So um, we're going to give the uh, chance to enter in for the $50 Amazon gift card another three minutes while we let Rebecca finally to uh say her piece i just thought because you know this i feel like this is so rare that it happens but it i think it just shows a level of uh professionalism that's just so cool because you don't see it often when he spoke to us he called all of us by our name yeah and i just that's just 
that's like, that takes that to the next level because it's easy to just come on here, chat with people, but he, he makes that effort to connect too. And I love that. I think that's actually really cool. That's what I like. I, I was impressed by that as well. Okay. And finally, I think we will do a little bit of participant trivia. So he is. What's that? <laughs> Surprise. This wasn't in the prep notes. Trivia. <laughs> I know nothing of this. She's just winging it now. I'm just trying to come up with something until, you know, the 740 mark. Uh, what is your favorite color? Mine is. Today it's orange. Your favorite color is orange? Today it is. I have okay. five. So it changes on a regular basis? Sure. Okay. Mine's green. You? Oh, go ahead, Larissa. Mine's green. Green? Okay, Sarah? Mine is green or mustard. Ooh. Oh. All right, Jolene? Uh, blue. Blue, okay. Then and green. Blue and green, okay. Yeah. Me? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a crapshoot. It could be anything, any day. I'll say today purple. Today purple. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I have a top four, like any shade of orange, blue, green, or yellow, any shade. So. So basically no favorite. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like reds, pinks, or purples. You don't? Mm. So you named all the colors, but you left it. They feel really bad now. They just feel really depressed that you didn't pick the, all like the whole color. I know I would have a really bad. I would have a really weird rainbow. I was Shauna. Those are my three least favorite too. Purple is at the very bottom. <laughs> They're too warm. The colors are too warm. Oh. All right. So uh, it is officially 740. And that means that we will be either contacting Colleen or Leon with their uh, Amazon gift card. So Colleen mentioned From the Ashes and Leon uh, mentioned Small Game Hunting. So thanks so much Great for choices. watching with us today. And don't forget to follow everyone on their Instagram, their website, their YouTube. And finally, the Canada Reads American Style podcast. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.